The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The whole world seems to stop on Christmas Eve, writes. Frederick Beekner, to listen to a story it already knows. Believers and non-believers alike listen to the story, which, if it is true, is the most important story ever told. By just being here this evening, you and I are saying that we want to draw even closer to the mystery of the Incarnation to hear the story again, to ponder it in silence and candlelight, and perhaps to see ourselves in this wondrous drama. When I met with my spiritual director last week, I confessed to her a preacher's anxiety about Christmas. We preachers know that everybody and their brother will turn out for church on Christmas Eve, 
even those we haven't seen since last Christmas. And we know, therefore, that this is a great opportunity to share the good news of God in Christ to an audience that may not have heard it in a while. And yet, what can a preacher say that is new about the most beloved story ever told? Every preacher I know, including this one, feels wholly inadequate to the task of preaching about the Incarnation. When I shared all this with my spiritual director, she paused and smiled and said, you're trying too hard. <laughs> Just tell the story. Trust the Spirit to do the rest. So here goes. A man and a young woman she, heavy with child, travel from their home in Nazareth to Bethlehem, a small village near Jerusalem, the ancestral home of the man's family. There is a census, and they have traveled under imperial decree to be registered. It is a long and difficult journey. He walks, she rides on the back of a donkey. If they find an inn at the end of the day, they have food and shelter. If not, they stop by the side of the road and sleep under the stars. Finally, they arrive at The inn is already full. The innkeeper allows them to spend the night out back in a cow stall. At least they will be warm. During the night, the contractions start. Labor begins. He helps as much as any man can. She births her baby, a son, and together they wrap him in the strips of clean cloth they have brought along. And after she nurses him, they place him in the feeding trough, the manger, to sleep. It could be the story of any poor young couple welcoming a new life into the world, and it would still be beautiful. But the glory of this story, and the reason countless millions of people around the world are pausing to hear it again, even though they have heard it hundreds of times and know every detail by heart, the glory of this story is that it is about God becoming human, about God's astonishing choice to humble himself by becoming one of us, about how God was born and lived and worked and laughed and loved, about how he taught and healed and fed the hungry, and about how he reached out to touch the lives of everyone he met, especially the least among us. This is the profound mystery we celebrate tonight, that God's love for us, his longing for us, is so intense and relentless that he freely set aside the majesty of his divinity to become a vulnerable baby. In the infant Jesus, God willingly subjects himself to all the frailty, frustration, folly, and footsore weariness of being a human being. The Father of all mercies puts himself at our mercy 
He becomes human so that in utter solidarity with each one of us, he may know both the joys and pleasures of our lives, as well as the pain, suffering, and even death that comes with the human condition. In Jesus, God comes down from heaven so that we might be drawn up to heaven with him. Through God's embrace of our lot and our lives, we not only learn something about God, that God is love, that God will not give up on us, that there is no length or depth to which God will not go to reach us, but we also learn something about ourselves and indeed about the whole creation. We learn that we matter we learn that we have worked, all of us, from the CEO of the company down to the janitor who cleans the toilet. We all are worthy and equally so. And yet, as C.S. Lewis puts it, the important thing to remember about this truth is that God does not love us because we are worthy. Rather, we are worthy because God loves us. We owe everything. God's love. But notice this too. Beyond merely sharing our humanity and conferring worth upon us by virtue of his love, there is also significance in how God chooses to enter the world. Jesus arrives not in some privileged, protected, comfortable, and peaceful he is not born in King Herod's palace. Rather, Jesus is born in poverty, in want, in obscurity, in the cold and smelly confines of a barn. This is an essential part of the story, for it reveals that God chooses and wants to be with us in all the messiness of our lives. When things are not neat, and tidy, when we are not in control, but are instead overwhelmed and distraught, when our lives are in one way or another impoverished, when things are scary and painful and uncertain, and sometimes even stink like a manger. By entering the world in this most humble and indecorous of ways, God is showing that he loves us even when we are at our least lovely. And so God comes at the edges of our lives to speak quietly but firmly through the blood, sweat, and tears of the labor pains of a young mother and cry of her infant, reminding us that God is irrevocably joined to our ups and our downs, our hopes and our fears, and committed to being by our side no matter what. What the Incarnation affirms is that the most ordinary, dare I say even ugly, dimension of life can be a place of God's extraordinary saving. But not even this truth is the most extraordinary thing about Christmas. 
The most extraordinary fact is that God became human and brought his light into this world out of love for you. For you personally. God didn't become human in the abstract or just as some dusty old historical fact or for humankind in general. He did this for you and for me. As no lesser preacher than Martin Luther emphasized in his Christmas Eve sermon in 1530, listen carefully to what the angel proclaims in the stillness of that night so long ago. The angel does not simply say Christ is born, but rather to you Christ is born. Neither does the angel merely say, I bring glad tidings. Rather, the angel says to you, I bring glad tidings of great joy. The angel proclaims this message and is proclaiming it still, not simply to inform. The angel does so because God wants you and God wants me to know and trust in the infinite love God has for us. Many of us, I know, secretly worry that we do not deserve God's love and care, or that God must have better things to do than to pay attention to little old me. This is dead wrong. The thing about God is that his power and knowledge and love knows no bounds. And he cares about every single last creature in this universe with infinite concern. You, dear friend, are the reason for this season. So as we celebrate the birth of the Christ child this night, let us remember not only that Jesus was born, but why he was born. He was and is born for you and for me. Do you hear the angels singing? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget... You are loved.